One, two, three. Harold and Brad. Windy City Filmmakers. Harold and Brad. Windy City Filmmakers. Harold and Brad. What's going on, y'all? Brad Stevens here for another edition of the Harold and Brad Winnie City Filmmakers Podcast. HD, what's going on, brother? What's up, B? (laughs) We have a very special guest today, the super talented Chris Adams is in the house. How you doing? What's going on? Oh, man, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Thanks for having me on here. I know. Thanks for doing the show. Like, so the first question we always ask people is a two-parter, and it's, what's your connection to Chicago, and what kind of art do you create? Uh, my connection to Chicago. I'm born and raised in Chicago, Southside, Roseland, 104th. And, you know, man, can't get no more Chicago than that. Uh, <laughs> right, right. But, right, right. but you know, I, 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 I never was restricted, though, to my community. I was a skateboarder and freestyle BMXer. And so that took me to all sides of the city, all the way up to Evanston and everything in between. Nice. Um, so I got to see the world outside of my community. Right. And I have friends from outside of my community, which a lot of people in my community really didn't have. And the second part of the question was... Uh, what, what kind of art do you create? Okay, so I feel I create art that breaks down boundaries of what uh, African-American filmmakers and films can be. You know, right. um, I want to push those envelopes. I want to put us in these roles that you don't necessarily see us in. It's like, you know, we go and see the Marvel movies, the Star Wars. We're big fans of that. But a lot of times our characters are very secondary or come no, no. comedic relief or, uh, you know, we're taking the bullet for the hero. <laughs> and I'm like, no, <laughs> we got to change that. We we are the hero, you know, the hero in, in uh of the story we, we can be these strong characters we can be these complex characters right you know uh, there's so, so much more to the black experience um, that we don't get to see nice uh, on screen they always want to keep it like either super urban or right. you know just really restrict us and to me what that does is and to anyone that's watching especially like younger uh, more impressionable uh kids and stuff it only teaches them well this is the limits of what i can do and what i can be so you know we do sci-fi we do horror we do fantasy afrofuturism yeah and and really try to push those boundaries and and show us in those in these very powerful roles think about it in high school, we get enough African mythology, but they constantly shoved the Greek mythology down. We knew all about Hercules and all this other stuff right. um, instead of what they stole it from, you know, as far as stories about a Kemet and, you know, things like Peru and, and uh, uh, Offset and stuff like that. You know, they, I didn't learn that stuff till, you know, I was almost in my 30s. No doubt. <laughs> you know, so um, myth building is a, is a big part of what you can instill in in people to be better people to be the to be the strongest version of themselves to to give them these stories of people that overcome uh incredible 
of uh, adverse uh, adversity. Now, from the makers of Sinbad, Columbia Pictures presents Jason and the Argonauts. You know, by you know, they gotta conquer Medusa. They gotta fight the Sphinx and all this other stuff. You know, I'm a big fan of the old Ray Harryhausen movies and the. Jason and the Argonauts. Oh man, those are classics. Kind of <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, but I'm like, where the brothers at? You, <laughs> right. you know, you know. So yeah, so that's that's part of what I want to do. But not only that, not just for myself, but for other filmmakers. Right. I want to be a resource. You know, a lot of us, especially a lot of black creatives, if we're not thinking, if we're not following that same mantra of of hood movies drug dealers and gangbang and all of that, you know, we're kind of seen as anomalies, you right. know, and so we tend to think we exist in the vacuum. So what I like to do is find these brothers and sisters that are doing these fantastic stories and be like, look, you don't need necessarily a million dollars to do these stories. Let me show you what we can do leveraging the current, you know, digital technology, you know? Right. So, you know, I, 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 we're in the process of building what I like to call our, 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 our playground, oh. which will be a, basically the equivalent of our own center space. Nice. We're in the process of building it, and it's not just going to be sound stages. Yeah. Um, we're building, um, I don't know if you've seen The Mandalorian, and uh, if you're familiar with uh, the technology Industrial Light Magic has pioneered uh, with The Mandalorian, it's called Stagecraft. Okay. And what Stagecraft is, is they create a huge, what they call the volume. Uh, it's a, it's a, 75 foot diameter, 25 foot tall LED uh, enclosure. Okay. And yeah. so what you do is instead of green screen, you 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 use Unreal Game Engine to create photoreal environments right. that are three dimensional, and you project those. You, you put those on the screen, and then the camera. You put a tracker on your camera, and the perspective shifts like as if you're there. So nice. this is a very cost-saving thing. And this was going on, they, they were building this before the pandemic. So now with the pandemic and virtual productions, all these these, these uh, productions had to stop. You know, they couldn't go to these locations. If you build a, the, the volume, stagecraft solution, you could be anywhere. You know, right. the, the, the limit is your imagination. So we're in the process of building that. We, uh, I partnered with uh, Ace Universal uh, Group, which is a... Uh, a brother by the name of Wayne Ware, and okay. um, we're in the process of building that. He 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 was able to acquire an uh, abandoned, well, not abandoned, a shut down metal refinery, uh, eighty nine thousand square feet. Nice. And uh, yeah, it's huge. And uh, one of the buildings is a ten thousand five hundred square foot building, forty foot ceiling, and so we're building an LED built volume in there. Don't. Yeah, we've been playing around, and yeah, I'm I'm really excited, and I want to be able to bring in, you know, other other filmmakers. You know, we got a, a, a nice family of filmmakers, and it's not just limited to those, but uh, uh, you know, as we meet people and things who have similar visions, like look, we got the toys, we we can level the playing field. You know, bring your bring your bring your A game. Yeah, so so you know, Chris, 
I've seen the, uh, the joint. It's beautiful. And uh, I can't wait till we get in there and start doing some major stuff. Uh, so you, you would say not only are you a filmmaker and and uh, a hand hands craftsman, where you get in there and build things that you need to build for filmmaking. How would you describe yourself? A renaissance man or? I guess I would be, or in traditional, and more in the tradition of the original filmmakers. Like now, to me, I see filmmaking is really segmented. You got a DP. The DP don't know nothing about sound, or the director don't know nothing about camera. And I didn't go to school for anything, so I'm self-taught. So when I saw like George Lucas' name, I thought he learned everything. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So I, I, I learned animation. I taught myself cinematography. I've got a award for animation. Got awards for cinematography. I've got three Grammy-nominated music videos. Um, but I, I didn't see a limit. To me, it's just all art, you know. Uh, I'm traditional. Uh, I come from an illustration, painting, and sculpting background, you know. So I get to utilize all of these talents. Like uh, in, in the, the film you were in, Reset, you know, we built, I built the robot, your, your, your uh, counterpart that you had to fight against. That's right. Uh, as a physical prop, a five, five and a half, six foot tall robot. Um, and uh, your weapons, you know, your gun, your armor, we, we made all of that stuff. Uh, the original filmmakers, like, uh, what's the guy that did uh, Man in the Moon, Man on the Moon, um, that the film Hugo is about? He was hands-on in all right. aspects of filmmaking. So I feel like I'm free in that I don't have those limitations. I run into a lot of filmmakers and people in film that only know one thing and I don't get that and I don't believe the myth of uh, right. the, the myth of uh, Master of all trades um, uh, Jack of all trades master no yes. no yeah, right. you can yeah. tell I'm a black man I can master everything no doubt no, <laughs> no, no doubt no doubt So you uh you uh, uh did the kick push loopy fiasco video too. Uh do you want to talk about that briefly? Yeah, that was actually, uh, and then we did one week back in ninety-nine and uh I saw your name in the credits, you know, years later looking at it. I was like Impact Studios was in dealing with Kenny and Carl back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so yeah, once again, always helping out. So I'm gonna start with Kenny and Carl first. So I met those brothers, I think it was the first Black Harvest, they had a, a short um, tissue, tissue. Called, I was like, whoa, no, not tissue. It was before tissue. To me, we worked on tissue together, but it was a short right. and it was really powerful. And, uh, we, uh, me and uh, Jonathan Woods, we, we, um, met, met with them and cause it was some things in the, in their storytelling that we recognized and they were like, whoa, no one ever recognized and, and, and you know what we were doing there. And so we became real good friends and things like that. Um, and then, um, they were doing the movie one week and right. uh, I was trying to convince them at the time to go digital. This is way back when nobody was really doing this. <laughs> I had abandoned film. I had abandoned film a long time ago. I'm like, no, nah, that's dead. You know, right. but they weren't quite ready to make that leap right. yet. Um, so, uh, um, I was doing a lot of music videos at the time, uh, for, uh, a Warner Brothers subsidiary out of, uh, out of Atlanta. And uh, so I was, I was a little bit balling, and so they were running short on some money. And I was like, man, what you need? So they, man, we need this to finish the film. So, you know, I'm like, hey, here it is, bam. <laughs> you know, got to support them, because I knew they, their vision and their commitment level, I mean, they, 
Kenny and Carl are just some fantastic brothers. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. So you're about to talk about uh, uh, Kick Push. Yeah. So Kick Push. Um, I met Lupe Fiasco through uh, his business partner at First and Fifteenth, which is their record label. Uh, uh, Chill, uh, Tilly Chill, and um, he was like, "Man, you know, you need to meet my artist." He came by and he saw like we had a studio. I can't think what studio. We were on Thirty Six and Iron. We had a studio and um, in this big industrial building. And he walked in. He saw all the anime. DVDs and I had, you know, I've always had robots and little monster figurines. He's like, nice. yeah, you need to meet Lupe. You know, so uh, I remember going out, they had a house, a uh, home studio on Olympia Field and they were playing an album, the album Food and Liquor and it was unlike anything I'd ever heard. I was like, oh my God, this is what I'm talking about. This is some next level stuff. Right. So before we did Kick Push, they would, he wanted to kind of try us out. So they were doing a thing with Fader Magazine uh, as part of their rollout getting the word out on Lupe. And so we did um, a short video for a song off a mixtape called Failure. And uh, we shot it on the West Side. Uh, it was freezing cold, but I wanted Lupe to wear the same outfit he was he had wore in his, his uh, promotional material. And it just happened to be summer kind of stuff. <laughs> so we shot, it was really cold. We shot, put it together and they were like, oh, okay, cool. So then I was driving in the car and DCI played Kick Push, and I hadn't heard it yet. Right. I was like, whoa. And they said, I was like, that Lou? I was like, oh, that's Lupe. So as soon as they finished playing, I called Chi. I was like, you know I got to do that video. He's like, man, I was going to call you about um, it. was really interesting because Atlantic Records did not want that song. So you got to think about what, where rap was at the time. Yeah. And here's this kid talking about skateboarding. <laughs> right. You know, there's no guns, <laughs> no guns, no drugs, no half naked women, no mis- no misogyny. They didn't know what to do. That's like, eh. And uh, there's a funny story that goes along with it. So um, I did a video for Public Enemy called uh, Do You Want to Go Our Way? Uh, this was, that was 99. And then uh, me and Lupe were at this studio called Hinge Studio, and Flavor Flav was there recording an R&B album. Nice. Which was actually pretty dope a lot of people didn't know he's classically trained pianist or whatever so we just we were sharing stories about play with play so he was saying when when he was right before he's about to sign with atlantic you know they got a little stage in the building in the atlantic building uh in new york where new artists they kind of review so he goes there and he's doing kick push and they kind of looking at him like unenthused play with play happened to be in the building that day and here this kid talking about skateboard, right? So Flav runs into the into the thing while Lou is on the thing and jumps on the stage. And he's like, yeah, this is dope. And so this was around the time Flavor of Love was so Flavor Flavor was hot. Right. Yeah. So they just said, Atlantic execs were like, well, shit, if Flavor likes it, it must be dope. <laughs> it was crazy. So my Flavor Flavor story that I shared that day was, um, we were shooting this video green screen for Public Enemy. And What's the one requirement when shooting green screen? Like, don't wear green. <laughs> don't wear green. Right. Flavor Flay comes out in this tracksuit that oh, totally matches our green. We like you got to change. He did not want it. He did not want to change. Right. That's crazy. So him and Chuck was getting heated. Like, man, go change. You know you ain't supposed to wear green. I ain't changing. And uh, you know, Griff. 
Professor Griff was just sitting there steaming like <laughs> MF Ghost, you know, and they were having some friction at the time. Right. And uh, so he, he didn't change. We shot him. And so I told Flav where we had to shoot. I was like, you know, you cost us a whole nother like two, three weeks because we had to go frame by frame and cut you out because you didn't change. You wouldn't take the frame. He's like, my fault, G. I was on crack team. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Oh la la, yeah.